Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Guten Tag, Herr Brian. How you doing? Ah, sleepy. Been a long week. Long, long week. But, you know, I've had I've heard more podcasts this week talking about what kind of iPhone they're going to get than I ever need to ever again. But we all know you're going to have, you're going to spend a thousand dollars on a phone within, I'd say two months over under. What's the, what's the, give me a bet on that. I can't bet against you because you're the one doing it and you'll just like, you'll wait a day longer past the bet point. <laughs> I'm on Apple <laughs> net or AT&T next. I'm not buying an X. I don't need one or 10 or whatever the fuck. I, we've been doing this show for enough Apple cycles now that I know this is complete and utter bullshit and you will end up one. You will you will deny that you're going to get one. You're going to deny, 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 and then all of a sudden you're going to have it. So I'm not going to be able to afford it because I'm going to be wearing my swanky new Apple Watch. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> now, Brian, I think the time of the lone developer is over. Finally, is that that spinoff X Files show? I thought that was off the air ages ago. Yeah, those guys are gone. No, okay. That was the, that was the lone gunman. Oh, okay. Now we were the lone developers back in the day. That's true. We would, you know, from start to start to finish, people would come to us. We would cut the graphics, make the graphics, make the code, make everything, not get paid. <laughs> and I think going down the line, you will be seeing some unicorns where it's like one guy or just a few guys making something that gets just a little bit of heat. But things are becoming just so complex that it takes huge teams to build anything world changing anymore. And it kind of makes me sad because I think the time of what we did is basically over at this point that's that's why we're podcasting jason this is true this is this is where this is where one or two people can make a difference right yeah sure (laughs) i'm gonna keep telling myself that Mm -hmm. you know i mean like you had the lone geniuses out there that are like the linchpins to some of these things like you had john carmack at id software the the brains behind quake and doom and all that but there was still a team around him to build those video games you and i can't just say hey, we're going to go out and build an AR app that's going to take over the world. You just can't do it. You need a team of people to do that sort of thing these days. You, yeah, there is there is no lone developer. There's no, I have a great idea. I'm going to go build it myself and release it to the world and see how it goes. That's all gone. Well, unless you get Flappy Birds guy. Right. So it's just, it's just one of those things that, you know, I was thinking about today when I was watching everything that was going on with uh, the Apple Keynote and how many people it takes just to do like the most basic thing anymore. And a couple other, I forget what I, I was reading, but just all these teams of coders that are out there now. And a lot of this is around video games, you gotta you gotta admit, because those things take, you know, millions of man hours to put out even a like a basic game. But I don't know, it's just even the most basic stuff now is so complex that this just that time the the stuff that we used to do is just gone. It's been commoditized. Yeah. It's been Squarespace-ized. That makes me sad. Mm-hmm. What's a young programmer to do? Podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what, <laughs> No, leave that to the old programmers. Yeah, seriously. Stay, stay off my pod. Mm-hmm. So, Bitcoin. Uh, I, I remain flummoxed, and uh, news, recent news is doing nothing to change my mind. There's a Bitcoin exchange called BTC China. Obviously, it is Chinese-based. Uh, said on Thursday, it will stop all trading as of September 30th. 
uh, which has caused a slide in the value of their cryptocurrency. It's over. Uh, just China's been huge for cryptocurrency because you know, obviously there's crazy laws there that people want to get around. Uh, but regulators in the country are basically saying to hell with that, which is what I've been saying the whole time. It's uh, Countries are not going to be okay with this free-floating currency that they don't get a piece of. And so all of a sudden, shockingly, countries are now going, hey, hold on a second. You can't do this. So China's basically shutting it down. Uh, Chinese news outlet Yikai reported the country plans to shut down all Bitcoin exchanges by the end of September, not just that one anymore. Uh, so this ban, as well as warning of regulations in other countries, has uh, driven fears of a wider crackdown, prompted a sell-off, and has helped wipe out almost $60 billion worth of value of cryptocurrencies since their record high earlier this month. That's a $60 billion switch in a month. Well, technically, it's a $0 switch because it doesn't exist. <laughs> but right. um, it's priced right now at uh, $37.74. Mm-hmm. So it's, it has bounced back quite a bit. But yeah, the whole damn thing is just a house of cards. There's an article this, uh, it was actually this morning, in the New York Times, which, mm. you know, I love opening up the front page of the New York Times and finding articles on Bitcoin. <laughs> and this is a, it's a story with Jackson Palmer, the guy that made Dogecoin. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I made it as a joke. And then all these people jumped on board and it got to be worth about $400 million. It's down to about $100 million now. But right. all the scammers came in, the thieves... All of, you know, all the people that were trying to make a quick buck and basically killed the currency for a long time. And he's seeing saying that that's exactly what's going to happen again with all of these other currencies. So, you know, don't invest. Yeah, this is this is not for mere mortals. This is for for people that have money to burn uh, and and uh, reasons to hide money. And there are <laughs> basically I mean, the just the cabals of these rich guys who get together and just move the currency a notch or two and make a fortune off of it. it you, you know, you can't play on that level unless you're coming in with like, you know, anywhere between like a million and $5 million to get in on, a, on some of these scams basically where it's like, okay, Joe's going to dump this week. Everybody, you know, prepare to invest when after he dumps, then it'll go yep. back up and then we'll dump. And you know, it's just, it's a, it's a cycle all insider trading because there's just, there's no regulation. Oh, regulation. Imagine that. Imagine that. All right. So let's talk about making money the old fashioned way. We have a bit of good news for the prostitution. That's the oldest. How's, way. That, go- how's that? How's that going for you, Jason? <laughs> well, you said making money the oldest way. That's true. The old fashioned way, not the oldest way. Okay. That's what I said. Anyways, now, see, I have this horrible, like, visual image of you, like, wearing garters on a street corner right now. <laughs> I know what I'm doing for, I know what I'm doing for Halloween. Very disturbing. Anyways, getting back to my point, we finally have some good news for the U.S. economy. After two years of increases, median income for U.S. households is now slightly higher than what the median income was for households in 1999 when the recession hit. So we finally made up for the recession. Uh, According to adjusted for inflation, median household income rose to $59,000 per year, which is up 3.2% from 2015 to 2016, according to the Census Bureau. So it was previously 58,000. So we are making 58,665. So somebody's gotten about a $600 raise. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) That'll do a lot. Anyways, the point being that uh, that basically income has now come up and finally, finally, gotten uh, over the 1999 recession dip when it hit. Uh, I would like to point out that this is all based on Census Bureau information as of 2016. So quite literally, thank you, Obama. (laughs) Thank you, Obama. 
uh, it's funny because yesterday when I was going to uh, Riot Fest, we were talking about what the price of a punk rock show used to be in 1989 versus what that same money would get you nowadays, which led me to find the inflation calculator, mm-hmm. which is really cool. You put in an amount of money, you pick uh, two years, you know, okay, what's it yep. worth here and what's it worth there? And it'll give you the meat or the difference between it. So right. cute little PHP script. So if you ever need that, you know, book, bookmark it, throw it in your utilities folder. It will come in handy in some, some point in a conversation in the back of a moving car. You know who built that? Who? One dude. One, One dude. dude. In the news. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know we are not particularly swayed by the big dog and pony show that Apple rolls out once a year, sometimes twice a year. You're going to get that news everywhere else, so we don't give a shit. I will just do my encapsulation, which is done uh, based on Salon's uh, clever caption writers. Apple's two-hour infomercial. The world's most valuable corporation reveals new disposable gadgets. <laughs> Cupertino-based company announces $1,000 piece of metal and glass to replace last year's $700 piece of metal and glass. There you go. That that's, sums that's it up. As far as, as far as I'm concerned, that's all that came out of Apple this week. All right. Jason will own that $1,000 piece of metal and glass by the end of this uh, month, I'd, I'd guess. Nope. Basically, though. Yeah. Sorry, I just bought a $3,000 piece of metal and glass from him. Got no, I've got no more cash to give. Right. Well, if you go to GOG.com slash donate, uh, I can help Jason out there. Yeah, if you go to GOG.com slash donate, then you'll be giving somebody else money because we're at GOG.show. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting <laughs> that. Uh, online with what we've been talking about for ages over at Wired, there is the fear and loathing on social media article. Now, this is a bit of a twist on it. Uh, in the September issue of Wired, uh, Nick Stockton had a wonderful piece about the new FOMO the fear of missing out not on your friend's activities, but on news. Uh, this has become Twitter, in my opinion. All Twitter is now is just keeping up on the news cycle and slowly driving yourself crazy. Yeah, which is kind of why I've been backing off Twitter, too. Uh, me, too. I, I've been staying away from it. So a very long story about how social media started off as fun and has now been destroyed, thanks to news. Okay, we've just encapsulated the entire article, so now everybody doesn't have to read it. I like that. We're, we're, we're now the new TLDR. That's right. Next up, over at Recode, they did a breakdown on social media stars and what... I still hate that term. What was social media star? I don't know who any of the fuck these people are. Not a, not a one of them. Yeah, the, social media star is about as amorphous a term as AI. Social media star is like the person in the in the Radio Disney Club that didn't go on to become Justin Timberlake. The one you'll, <laughs> yeah. never, hear the, the one you'll never hear the fuck of from ever again that will never be on anything they're super popular with 12 year old girls right now and they will completely disappear except for maybe two of them anyways social media influence marketing is a billion dollar industry according to estimates from research firm eMarketer at this point over 570 million dollars was spent on instagram influencers alone in 2016 half of them plan to increase their influencer budgets in 2017 now, the question is how to distribute these budgets. So they are now talking about, uh, God, these marketing agency names. Hello, Society. Uh. Said earlier they, this year that micro-influencers, that would be us, Jason, the council's with less than 30,000 followers, but a loyal following, are the way to go. That's the most bang for your buck. Uh, there are other... Uh, go check out this article if you want a breakdown. It's kind of interesting to see how much people are spending and what the breakdowns are on, on these influencer levels. Um, if you're interested in it at all, this is a good good wrap-up. I didn't know a lot of this information, so it really kind of brought me up to speed. 
Well, what I'm going to tell you is almost none of it matters because there is a massive black market on Instagram verification, which then can get you your 30,000 followers, which will then get you your ad buys. And we've all known forever that you can buy Twitter followers in the millions if you need to. Yeah. So I mean, I, I can tell you just from running our Instagram account for Grumpy Old Geeks that uh, most of our followers are bots or, or bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, most, most of the comments that we get are people trying to promote their bots and bullshit. Uh, there's very real little actual engagement. I mean, I do appreciate the people that are engaged and, and our fans that are looking at the, the graphics. I spend minutes minutes per week getting together for our for our instagram updates uh but it's definitely i mean especially i run a couple other instagram accounts for actual real celebrities and 99 percent of it is bots and bullshit we should call the show bots and bullshit except we can't put bullshit in our title oh we can always bs it (laughs) anyway yeah i'm i'm really curious about this and these people being outed because it's a it's a bunch of rogue instagram employees since there is no oversight or you know actual (laughs) verification of the verification inside of instagram just like twitter i mean that was twitter getting twitter verification was impossible for years you had to know somebody who knew somebody and it still is it's a black box secret but the thing about instagram is these people are bribable you there's nobody at twitter that you could bribe to get verified at least as far as i could tell and if they were they're smart enough not to get put in a fucking mashable article you know (laughs) it's like Wow, you really suck at being a criminal Instagram millennial people. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. So all of this is it's smoke and mirrors. Everybody's scamming everybody else and just trying to get a few bucks out before the, you know, the pyramid collapses. Right. Well, so we had the whole hurricanes happening, uh, Irma in Florida and all that sort of stuff. And it was it was bad, but not as bad as we thought it might be. And, and uh, there's a lot of devastation. And there was a lot of stuff torn apart. But overall, uh, we survived and we'll move on and we'll put some money in there. And generally, when a company does something cool and, and help people out when they're in the path of a disaster, it's a good PR move. Did you hear what happened with Tesla? What has Tesla done now? Well, they decided to help out some, well, one driver in particular helped flee Hurricane Irma by remotely extending the battery's range. Now, I was not aware of this, and this does upset me. If you purchase a Tesla, you get a 60 kilowatt battery option. Uh, You could pay more for the 75 option. Okay. They put the same damn thing in the car. It is electronically limited. That's it. Ah, so they, so... You have to pay to let them overclock your battery. Pretty much. So there was somebody that found that they needed that extra 30 miles of driving range to get out of the path of the hurricane, and they just flipped it on for most of the drivers in Florida. (laughs) Well, isn't that special? Isn't that special? So I I just... Nice, but the fact that they're just electronically limited things that it's just a couple thousand dollars more to pay and then all of a sudden you get to use it that's that's crazy to me i i can't imagine having something physical that is being electronically limited that i have to unlock well i can because remember i was talking about my synology last week on my security cameras it's exactly the same thing yes and how does that make you feel jason ripped off exactly (laughs) absolutely ripped off that is entirely my point (laughs) yeah no rat bastards this is the first thing that's come up from Tesla that I've actually kind of been like, I don't like that. Uh, well, they, remember the NTSB report on the uh, the one crash with the guy watching the Harry Potter or whatever? <laughs> oh, actually, that, the Harry that, Potter was debunked, but 
Yes, that wasn't watching Harry Potter, but then he was watching something else, but then he still wasn't paying attention, but who the hell knows what's happening? Yeah. Well, the NTSB came back and said that the Tesla's autopilot UX was a major role in the crash. Okay. They said it worked as designed, but it was designed to perform limited tasks in a limited range of environments, and this guy basically used it for something that it wasn't supposed to be doing. Like, Did he, did he take it to the limit? <laughs> nobody couldn't drive 55 okay (laughs) i understand their you know their reaction to this saying Mm -hmm. that yes this this shouldn't have been allowed because the use case for the feature was out of scope for what this guy was doing so the car should have fought back and said hey uh it's been like an hour dude (laughs) you done rubbing one out can you put your hands (laughs) back on the wheel uh and then or at least forced him to by slowing down or God forbid it just turns itself off in the middle of going 75 miles on the freeway. That, that's another right. interesting problem that somebody has to figure out. It's like, okay, we're going 75, we're in traffic, and nobody's home at the wheel. How do we de-escalate and stop this situation safely for the driver in the Tesla and everybody around them? Because you just don't want to stop the car in the middle of the freeway. You know, it's an interesting point, and it's... <laughs> That kind of case scenario is something that people just aren't thinking about as they're building these things. And when we wonder why it's going to take, uh, as we talked about the other week, uh, why self-driving cars and autonomous cars are not going to be on the streets imminently, it's because of things like this. This Tesla crash is to what? two, three years now of the NTSB looking into it, and mm-hmm. they're still not sure what's going on. And all of a sudden, uh, what we're realizing is, is as we software developers, we don't code for every possible scenario it's a trial and error it's beta versions that's why we roll out version two version three version four version five nobody's built one of these cars thinking what if the dude dies behind the wheel we have to allow for the car to figure that out or at least figure out that the driver has not interacted with the car for 20 minutes so now what do we do what do we tell the car to do we can't just have it stop we have to make it move over to the side what if they're at a stop sign what if the car's there's so many scenarios i guarantee there are people locked in rooms thinking about this stuff because i'm not that smart apparently not well (laughs) they have they have to take time to build it i mean we just haven't seen the end product yet you know, that's well, again, that being my point is why it's not going to be happening anytime soon. Right. And I think a lot of this will be mitigated once they do get vehicle to vehicle communication. You know, if they can get get off their ass and get that 20 year old standard up to date for car to car communication, then you can say, hey, my car's out of control or I have no driver. I need to exit to the emergency lane. Make a you hole. Really, make a hole. There, there is only one way that will ever happen. With, with multiple developers and different technologies and different companies and competition between them, the only way that happens is government regulation. Yeah, well, I mean, they're working on it. We'll get there. It, but yeah, yep. that's what I'm saying. It's just not, it's no time soon. I agree. Have you bought any Facebook ads recently? Uh, not since I bought some grumpy old geeks ads a while ago. Oh, yeah, I forgot to ask you how that went. I, I can guess. Yeah. Not so uh, well. <laughs> let's just say... Uh, underperformed yeah uh i continue to purchase facebook ads uh, over over my protests for certain clients because they say they want them and i keep telling them that it's not useful <laughs> uh but i haven't drilled down far enough uh, as propublica apparently did to find some of the more specific targeting uh i i never get this deep but apparently you could uh you could target p- people that have expressed interest in topics such as jew hater 
Uh-oh. or how to, how to Burn Jews, or the history of why Jews ruined the world. <laughs> so this is real. ProPublica was able to do this. They purchased three ads or promoted posts that targeted those users. Now, in Facebook's uh, defense, uh, everything is automated because we don't want to pay for things. So this is all algorithmically based. It finds uh, it finds popular news stories and popular items that are being shared in the system, and then it creates them as targeted areas. <sighs> yeah, I want to go. Uh, play, I want to go play with this keyword targeting again because I bet well, we could have some fun with it. Well, Slate went in and tried it as well because after this broke, Facebook removed uh, all the Jew-hating ones, uh, explained that they had been generated algorithmically and added that it's going to explore ways and quickly implement them to prevent similar offensive ad targeting categories from appearing. So Slate tried it again uh, and was able to target kill Muslim Muslim radicals and Ku Klux Klan members. I want to go in and find people (laughs) who have a healthy addiction with Mark Zuckerberg and are like, you know, so I'm going to target the keyword stalking Mark Zuckerberg and I'm just going to mm-hmm. sell these people binoculars and maps to stars homes. Nice. Probably work. Yeah. I'm thinking that might work. And it's a little less. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to go down the kill Muslim radicals plan or, or send guns to people who, who follow Zuckerberg. No, I, I, I think I a think pair it's... of binoculars would be a, just a nice way to go. And that way they can hang around his house and he can, you know, just come out and wave to them in the morning. It's like, hello, stalker. I think that's a good choice, Jason, and it's a marked improvement from last week's scam involving a, a, a basically trying to kill people with pacemakers. Hey, man, I just, what are you going to do with a pacemaker gag? There's really not much you can do with that one. Okay. Oh, man. Um, so Facebook is testing a snooze button. Please, please roll it out for me. It's, uh, it's I mean, it's time, guys. It's time. Yes, it is. Uh, it's been in every other app for Twitter or any other you know, thing that has an API, but not Facebook because they're in the walled garden and we're not going to let you play with your thing. Um, well, that's a different thing. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 time. It is it is honestly time. I guess you should explain what it is. It's a button that basically lets oh, you mute bu- a, oh, okay. a person or a company or a page or a group for 24 hours, seven days or 30 days. This is awesome. I'm very much looking forward to this. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I thought the snooze button was, you know, just... Uh, out there that everybody would know what I meant. My bad. I forgot to explain. It's all right. Uh, there is a bit of uh, information in the news this week that I'm very happy about. It's almost as if somebody listened to us. What do we keep screaming about, Jason, when people decide they want to go public with a really stupid, very small business idea? Don't. Don't do that. Sell. <laughs> That's about it. Yes. Don't. Well, a company called Bonobos. Uh, I don't really know what the hell they are. It's a yuppie men's clothing brand. I have uh, some Bonobos. They're actually really good clothes. Well, you can now go to your local Walmart to find it because they sold for a three hundred and ten million to Walmart instead of going public. Because, as he says, it would be too damn hard to go public. Yeah, <laughs> which is what we see a bunch of these stupid companies doing: going public and then failing miserably because it's not easy. And so they go for the what they think is going to be the big cash grab instead of the much easier, smaller cash grab. Yeah, no, this is good. This is actually going to up uh, Walmart's clothes game for sure, because Bonobos is a pretty good brand. All right. Well, and I know I've got some shirts around here that I got from them. They were a sponsor on some show I worked on, and I got some free stuff, and it was it's high-quality stuff. There you go. And they did the smart thing. They, they, they decided not to take it public, go for it themselves, which would have meant, uh, especially as a retail company right now where you're fighting against Amazon, you've got to, what are you going to do? You're, you don't even have any, any actual brick and mortar. You're going to have to do that. You're going to need a physical retail footprint. You're going to have to do all this sort of stuff. So he just went, oh, to hell with it. I'm just going to sell to somebody that's already doing stuff. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting how this stuff kind of plays out. These all of these internet clothing companies, mm-hmm. it's like they're so spread out now, and there's so many of them. You know, yeah. you've got your five four clubs, you've got your Roan, you've got all the your men's boxes here and there. Uh, there's just so, so much so of many it, of that subscription based bullshit, which I can't stand. I you know I subscribed to five four club for like six or seven months, and I got a lot of good clothes out of it. But then mm. it just got to be too much, and I'm like, oh, I can't I can't take this anymore. I, yeah. I, I, there, there are so many faux leather jackets that I need right now. And well, the idea that always drove me crazy. The idea that a guy, like a guy's guy, a dude, you're just your standard, typical dude, maybe buys new clothes once a year. And the idea that you're getting 12 shipments a year, it's like, are yeah. you kidding me? <laughs> no, I've, I've got a ton of stuff in my closet that I've never worn that, you know, yeah. well, honestly, I, I got a little too big for it. So someday when I get skinny again, but I mean, it's definitely the Columbia radio club you know theory so we're just going to keep sending you shit and you're, you're going to forget to return it so we get to charge you the only one that i stand by is me undies that is the best subscription pro- program on the planet because <laughs> i've got i've got to stack them but then i can throw them away because i know i got two more coming next month if they get get old and ratty but anyway my point about about this instead of giving free ads to all the people who haven't advertised on our show is there yes. should be a blanket or an umbrella company that just goes out and buys up all these things puts them under one roof Right. And then just keeps them all in business because piecemeal like this, all of these guys are going to get picked off slowly and painfully over time because there's just it's too much. There's too much competition. So if there's if there's somebody out there with, you know, I don't know enough money to buy a newspaper and already taking over the world who can, you know, buy a lot of clothing items and slap his own label on it. Maybe that's a way to go. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, uh, do you know the newest area and that is now up uh, and ripe for disruption, Jason? Yes, I do. I want you to tell me about this one so I can go go in the closet and find a baseball bat and uh, go take a road what trip. I, uh, <laughs> what I like about this one is I do feel it's a turning point. I, I, I feel the world has finally decided. <laughs> enough is enough. We, enough is enough. Uh, we do not need to put out the mom and pop liquor stores or corner shops or bodegas, as they're known. Now, I grew up in Orange County and then Southern California and Los Angeles in my life. And ever since I stopped smoking, I haven't been to what we call liquor stores here. Uh, I just don't. But this is a way of life. In, in many parts of the world, particularly New York City, which is why, where they took their name from, the Bodega. Uh, it's a tech startup that basically wants to put automated vending uh, machines for your sundries, basically, uh, on, on the corners and, you know, in areas of public transport. So we can just put out all the little mom and pop, tiny little liquor stores that are everywhere. Yeah, here's the here, first, first problem. They don't have booze. Uh, that's 90% of the business of those places is cigarettes and booze. Right. And... Actually, that's all I got. They don't have booze. They're screwed. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, granted, I can go pick up a couple, uh, you know, bricks of ramen and the ladies can get some uh, tampons and facial cream and guys can, you know, just foot powder or whatever the hell they need. But yeah. uh, without booze, there's just it's useless. Well, for some reason, though, this one really stuck, struck a chord with people. And there is outrage outrage on the internet about this company oh they, so, they poke the tiger on this one because i i mean i as soon as i read it i'm just like fuck these guys fuck them in their eye holes because i don't mess with the bodegas man that was one of those that's one of those cultural things every place i moved i've always known my local corner store guys and, and there's a lot to that and that is part of the big problem and yes i i'm so happy to see this backlash and to be honest i, I think 
this isn't anywhere near ba- as bad as Juicero was. That was a <laughs> yeah. six. That was like a seven hundred dollar fuck you. We're gonna warm a bag of shit that you have to buy from us and squirt it out for seven hundred bucks. Fuck you. Uh, this isn't anywhere near as bad, but this does feel like that turning point of enough is fucking enough. Yeah. We don't need an app for everything. We need to talk to people. There's nothing bad with us. This, we, we're tired of putting people out of business. All this is going to do is get a whole bunch of mom and pop shops shut down. Fuck you guys. Yeah, enough. You know, so, go go, uh, go I, try I and mean, cure can, cancer. Don't put. Don't just put shit in a box and and call it disruption. I, I'm tired of this disruption stuff. It's just annoying. So we've got a couple different links in our show notes. It's covered pretty well online at this point uh people are freaking out i'm assuming this is just not going to happen at this point uh the article that i really enjoyed which is only tangentially connected is a slow friendship in the express checkout over at slate which talks about uh, especially for older pe- people what it means to have these these tiny social engagements that that aren't really friendships at all it's just somewhere to stop at regularly because you have to pick things up and the little tiny engagements that that kind of make people's day and uh, which they want to get rid of. So fuck them. Yeah, seriously. I, I can go back to uh, a, any of the bodegas that I used to go to. And if the people are still there, we, I, we see each other, we give each other hugs and just catch up and see how things have been going. And I've got those places all around the country because I move so much. And yeah, I was about to say, I, I don't really have it here in L.A., but there is a store that I stopped into all the time in Toronto. And every time I'm back there, I see the guy and I say, hey, he asked me how I'm doing when I'm coming back, blah, blah, blah. That stuff matters. Yeah. I mean, even the there was one I lived in a place in Malibu Canyon for like six months and there was nobody out there. I mean, we we're in the middle of nowhere and there was just one little store and these like couple brothers that ran it. And uh, before I left L.A., I just decided I'm like, hey, I'm going to go see if those guys are still there. And sure enough, they were still there. And I got to catch up with them for a while, and it was great. You know, it's like just those weird little relationships that last the last over time that you just are not going to get from a goddamn box with a credit card. Well, once they build in the AI and have that as part of their little bodega, you yeah. can just you know talk to Hal. Uh, so on the disruption that we do need, an ex-Tesla engineer has created an FDA-compliant cure for hangovers. Yeah, I read this. Sounds interesting. Where do I get some? Yeah. Seriously, that's it. As soon as this hits the market, I'm sure we will have product reviews. So we'll see. Yes. Ups and doodads. Floating video windows must die. Die, die, die. I don't know who came up with this. I get it if you're on some like crappy website that just needs to be sticky as much as possible so they can bullshit their ad counts and all the things that we talk about, about statistics being completely and utterly bullshit on the internet. I get that. Facebook. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) If I, okay. If I start a little video, like say somebody's posted one of those funky little cooking ones where they just show the hands and all the ingredients go in and it's all time-lapse and everything. And it's really super interesting for about five seconds. And I start to scroll down the page Obviously, I'm fucking done seeing the video. You don't need to pop it over into the fucking corner so it keeps going. I can't figure out how to shut it down. I'm halfway down the page already. I've started another video. There are four fucking five, 25 videos crossing. Ah, it's driving me crazy. No, Brian, you cannot escape. I, I, well, you can. I've got some links in the show notes from uh, from Adblock, actually. Quite helpful. Uh, how to stop autoplaying videos. How to uh, basically stop autoplaying videos both on Facebook and in general for multiple browsers. So whatever version that you're using, if you want to stop this scourge upon mankind, I urge you to go check out the links. Yeah, CNET's really bad with that too. 
Yes. They're really bad. Uh, fortunately, coming for Chrome uh, in version 63 and 64, there's a lot of updates on autoplaying ads. Safari's mm-hmm. working on it too, but let's be honest, who uses Safari? <laughs> and they're going to be uh, knocking back all of the, you know, the autoplays, and especially they're going to be muting websites with autoplay, which, yes. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. It's about time. We've only been saying this since the first day that you could actually play audio on a web page. <laughs> yes. Thomas fucking Dolby in his plugins back in the day was like, we need music on the web. And everybody's like, no, we no. don't. No, we do not. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Sorry, Thomas. We're blinding you with common sense. Nobody wants that. So Until MySpace came along and then you could pirate your top five songs and put them up there. Ugh. Yeah. Okay, well, yes, soon, yeah. soon we'll have a better web by having less of the things <laughs> that we have worked so hard to get. Yeah, and speaking of music, I've had my AirPods for, what, a month now? Mm-hmm. And, and I wake up, and I go out on my bike ride, and my left AirPod has stopped working. Does it? St- now, here's a question. Does it stop in the middle of playing, or does it stop before you put it in? No, it is done before I put it in. So, of okay. course, we, we now live in a world where there are, you know, there's there's no manuals. There, yeah. There's no, there's not even manuals online anymore. There's no facts. There's no troubleshooting guides published by anyone. No, they rely on the wisdom of the crowd, a.k.a. the users. So we have to be the ones that build these things. So you have to Google. You have to sift through the poor writing. You have to figure out the ones that actually have a solution as opposed to, hey, dipshit, did you actually look through the forums first to find the ones that have the solutions? So it takes 35 minutes instead of two minutes to find the problem. I will save anybody out there that has this problem right now. You basically forget your AirPods on your device and then you hold down the damn button and you reboot the fucking things and then it will come back. Now the problem is worked fine for two days and then the right one went out. So now I'm starting to think I've got a bum pair. Now it's fine. I can get them back working again, but I don't want to keep having to do this. Yeah. I've had the problem where one, where one craps out on me, but it was like a connection issue. So I just take them out, put them back in the, in the case not enough for me. I had to actually physically reboot them. Here, well, here's, here's the the one the one trick was so I put them back in the case, open up the phone, then flip open the top of the case, wait for it to show the battery connection mm-hmm. on the phone, then I can take them back out and they both work. All right. Well, I'll I'll try the simpler version next time. Yeah, but it's try still that try stupid. that before you repair. Um, right. <clears throat> but yeah, it's a pain in the ass. So yeah. But you're not alone. I've had that happen too. And speaking of a pain in the ass, there's a new version of iTunes. This sucks. Trent's been hard at work. Oh, I, he, he must have left work early because I saw him last night singing his little heart out. Well, that might explain the problem then. So there's a few changes. If you want to work with the apps on your phone, you'll have to re-download the apps directly to the device. You can't manage them in iTunes anymore. iTunes U has been moved to the podcast section. Internet radio stations have moved to the sidebar. Ringtones, if you're still stupidly doing those, you've got to go directly to your advice, uh, device before. Again, like with apps, you can no longer manage that through iTunes. Uh, all books are now managed in iBooks for iOS, so they have been separated from iTunes, which I'm down with that one on. I'm fine with that. Uh, and guess what? They've brought Ping back. Well, not really Ping, uh, but they've got social sharing. So discover music with your friends. Members can create profiles and follow each other to see music they are listening to and any playlist that they've shared. Whee! I should have walked up to the stage last night and pushed Trent off so he landed on his damn head because <laughs> I use the, uh, the app section in iTunes with my phone all the time because that's a, the only way you can manage some of the apps to get files on and off. 
it's also the only way to find out when you've accidentally deleted an app what app it was quickly and easily. Oh, it's such it's so stupid. I mean, there's so many things that they could take out of iTunes that would make it better, like shuffle. And I feel like we've been we've been spending ten years talking about how iTunes is stupid. We can, still no <laughs> valid option otherwise. This is all we've got. Well, see now that you now that they're decoupling the iPhone from iTunes and just making it a player. This is now. This is ripe for disruption. Somebody get out there and and go find a, the old copy of Winamp and rewrite it so we can <laughs> use it again. Because or, yeah. iTunes is now utterly useless for the desktop for phone management, which is what people have to use it for. Yeah, it's, I agree. They're just pulling everything to the phone, which is just dumb. Yeah. Well, let's cast back our minds to back when technology worked. Uh, I'll just quickly mention this. This is a great link over at Slate again. Uh, they found the original How to Use and What is Windows 95 video starring Jennifer Aniston and Matthew Perry. I They've remember been around that. that. <laughs> they have been around that long, people. <laughs> uh, I remember that video. That was classic. It is actually quite fun to watch again, uh, if only for the fact that this is actually, it's great because in, back in 1995, they were really introducing people to stuff that is just part of everybody's day-to-day -day existence now, explaining what the web is, explaining what uh, the internet is, people were using modems over their home phone lines, the average email user sent three messages and received five each day. I get that in spam every five minutes. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> it's fucking fun so there you go it's and more enjoyable than itunes is ever and more enjoyable than reruns of friends that's right i've picked up a couple things from amazon this week which i will put in our show notes uh they are all following the trend of incredibly long names i'll just read the first one for fun car phone mount hcret two-pack air vent magnetic universal car mount holder for cell phones and mini tablets with fast swift snap technology meaning it snaps onto things okay <laughs> i'm not sure that's a great technology uh my wife was getting on my case because we would when we drive down to like see my parents or whatever i generally just have my phone uh she'll be sitting in the back seat with the kiddo because he's still pretty young and it's a longer drive i'll generally just have the phone in my lap uh there's a certain band he likes that calms him down if he's starting to freak out so i load up spotify and start playing it and she gets angry because one hand is off the wheel so she's been on my case to get these for a while these are fantastic it's they're cheap they work great uh no complaints whatsoever super easy and uh when you don't have your phone up there it's very slim line it doesn't it's, you don't have some crazy thing glued onto your windscreen and some gigantic shock mount uh it's quick and easy it's nice but you're covering your vent so you do lose a vent it's so small and if you put it to the side of the vent so the phone's only covering like half of it mm. you're still getting a lot of airflow like I, I wouldn't put it up there on a hundred degree day but on a typical day it's fine and the plus bonus is when you take your phone off and put it in your pocket it chills your thigh i was gonna say it, it, it will chill it out especially if you're using Waze, which has a tendency to melt your phone <laughs> Yes, it actually is helpful for that. Uh, I also picked up a few other things. I've got, I ended up discovering this company called Zero Grid. Uh, they've got an electronics travel organizer, which I'm going to use next time I go to Toronto. It'll be great for all the stuff I have to take with me to do with the podcasting, except for the mic and the mic stand. But all the assorted cables and whatnot, it's a, it's a groovy little and well thought out uh, 
container for that. Uh, I found that because I needed to get something for my growing family, my all three of us now, with multiple passports and multiple Nexus cards. We wanted one little case where we could carry everything for all of us uh, every time we travel. Uh, Zero Grade has a travel wallet and family passport holder with RFID blocking. It's a good document organizer case. Uh, it's perfect for all of our needs and all three of us. So I picked that up, and that's when I ended up discovering the uh, electronics organizer as well. Very happy with both of these things. If you are in the market for any of these, I highly recommend them. Cool. Yeah, I bought a, one of the cord, like the cord organizers from Amazon Basics, and it's crap. Like it's right. it it has a lot of cool little holders and slots and everything that almost fit everything I have, but actually fit nothing. <laughs> well, I mean, these these are pretty well documented on Amazon, or you can go to the Zero Grid site itself, so you can if spend a few minutes making sure that it's going to meet your needs. But I'm very happy with these. So. Well, cool. Yep. And then two fun things that you can pick up. I've always been a big fan of Lewis Black and his Back in Black segment over on The Daily Show. Uh, he's a really funny, very angry comedian. He has uh, marketed himself a magic eight ball, basically. Nice. Uh, it, it is funny. It's perfect for him. Will my child grow up to be a responsible adult and care for me when I get old? You are screwed. Will my health improve if I switch from moo cow fuck milk to soy juice? How would the fuck would I know? <laughs> Should I have spent that year in college? Absolutely. Uh, cool. So if you need something for your desk, this is a good one. But it doesn't it like scream at you, does it? No, 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 no. It's it's old school. It's oh. no, no audio, sadly. There is a market for that. He should do that. We can record himself doing all that sort of stuff. Yep. And in something I will not purchase, but I had to put it in here anyways, just when you thought every possible kind of Star Wars merchandise had already been made, <sighs> make room for the Darth Vader showerhead. This is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> for, for a measly $30, you can bring the Sith Lord into your daily shower routine. The Darth Vader showerhead, along with an R2-D2 alternative, are currently being sold at Bed Bath & Beyond. Purely worth it only for the headline, Shower on Darth Vader's Dark Tears. I know. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of want one just because I want Darth Vader crying on me. Mm. No hot oh. water. <laughs> if only it had the sound as I well. Know. All right, in my weekend shit that I bought on Amazon, mm -hmm. they, they were running specials on the Amazon Fire tablets, seven. So yeah. it was like 35 bucks. I'm like, eh, right. 35 bucks for an internet-enabled tablet. What You cannot go wrong with that. So I picked one up. Mm -hmm. uh, the next day, also on sale, was the Fire HD 8 tablet. That's proving you could have gone wrong with that purchase. So now I have a seven and an eight. But both of them I got for the total of under $100, which is amazing mm -hmm. for the quality of the devices. Uh, quick question, though. They're good. Did you need them? Uh, well, I needed one of them to test because I got some uh, Amazon or um, Android apps that I need to load from the store for a client. So, yes, I needed one of them. I didn't need two of them. <laughs> and here's the thing. I was hoping that I could just take it and uh, put it back in the box after I was done testing and give it to somebody for, you know, a birthday or, uh, you know, Christmas gift or something. Mm -hmm. Nope. Amazon has decided to sell these things basically in an envelope. And as soon as it's got a tearaway thing at the top, once you open it, it's done. There's no re there's no repacking it. That's what you get for thirty five bucks, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. But I, I'm amazed at the quality of these things for the price. They're they're not bad. The HD eight is actually a really good little device, and the seven's fine, too. So right. it's it's like getting an iPad or an iPad Mini, which I I can't justify spending on because they're discontinuing them, 
and they're way overpriced. But for 35 bucks for basically what's an iPad mini? Yeah. It's not bad at all. Look, I I, I got to be honest. I, I love my iPad mini, but I'm not going to pay those prices for it when it's time for me to upgrade. I might get one of these. Dude, they're and they're they're plastic, so they're light. I basically just use my iPad mini as a fucking Kindle app anyways. Exactly. So this comes <laughs> and and what's really nice about them is when they ship them to you from Amazon, they're already your account's already loaded. Oh yeah, I noticed that when I got the Fire Stick when I did my Cody experiment. Yeah, I just I just opened it up and was like, "Hi, Jason." I'm like, "Sweet," and I went to the Kindle app and I downloaded the books that I was in the middle of, and now and I, then I can just go to uh, Amazon Prime Video and play stuff on it from wherever I'm at. It's I'm telling you, it's cheap as dirt and yeah, not I, bad. Amazon, please note you need to have a I'm purchasing this as a gift option because there are people that I would say send a fire stick to, but I don't want them to have access to my account. You sure you can't do that? I'm not positive. I don't know. <laughs> okay, because that seems like they, they they seem smart enough to figure that one out. Anyway, uh, next thing I bought, I bought a Seagate eight terabyte hard drive. It's an external mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the workflow with the Synology isn't is what I need it to be just for speed on something. So I got this eight terabyte to be a bridge hard drive. So like the, it'll sync with the Seagate. So I'll have double, like I'll have a live copy of stuff. It'll be backed up to the Synology, you know, more nerdy stuff. Yep. Here's the, here's the thing. This is why I got mm-hmm. this eight terabyte USB drive. Hey, it's got, it's a hub too. It's got two uh, ports on the front. Mm-hmm. It was under $200. As I'm looking at it right now, I can get it today with free same day shipping. I got a same day uh, shipping too. Same day for for one hundred and seventy nine ninety nine. Yep, Jason, an eight terabyte drive <laughs> back when you and I first even met Didn't each exist. other. Not, not 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 when we started with computers, but when you and I met each other working in the internet. An eight terabyte drive would have been one billion dollars. Yeah, because they just didn't exist. <laughs> we were we were using zip drives and SyQuest drives that were forty mm. megabytes. Or the yep. zip drive like went up to 120 megabytes when they were at their peak. But yep. yeah, eight terabytes. Now I can get it for <laughs> less than the cost of just about anything and have it delivered to me same day. Uh-huh. <laughs> what a world we're living in. I, I know. Swear to God. So, and it's, I love it. I, I moved all my photography over to it. And now I have six six 6.66 6 terabytes available. So I'm tempted to just never use it again and just keep it that way. The drive of Satan. And it is black. Anyway. Uh, one of the one of the issues I was having with the Synology is I can't run Lightroom catalogs on a network drive, so I need a local drive. Mm-hmm. So I got this thing, I get it set up, and there's a there's a bug that not really a bug, but there's a thing that you will notice when you get a new USB drive for Max. Sometimes it says this this drive does not support adding things to the trash. You must uh, it will auto, it will completely delete, like. Right. And I find that when you when you're trying to delete something from an app, and for me in my case it's Lightroom, so I found a workaround for it. And what it is is when you first set up a USB drive on a Mac, it doesn't have a trash folder. So all you have to do to create the trash folder is just make a folder or make a file, and just hit Command Delete, move it to the trash, empty the trash, and then that will force OS 10 to recognize that that drive can then use the trash because the dot trash file is then or the dot trash folder is created. And boom, Moving on. Bob's your uncle. I'm just telling okay. you this. You're gonna right. buy it. You're gonna go out and buy an eight terabyte drive, and you're gonna wonder why this shit didn't work. And then you're gonna be like bitching next week, like there's no manual. And I just told you. Okay. <laughs> uh, I got some caffeine beaker mugs because 
one of the things that I have to do in the morning is measure a bunch of water and coffee when I'm making my stuff. And I figured, ah, I'm going to get some mugs that actually have measurements on them. Except okay. the problem is these are cheap ass mugs and the measurements don't work. They're completely oh. off. You had one job. That's, that seems stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So don't buy those if you're ever going to okay. get it. I will skip that then. Yeah. And finally, uh, I picked up Zombie Highway 2 for my iPad a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was a year and a half late to this one. I've been waiting for it and I forgot to go look for it. It's one of my favorite. Zombie Highway was a great game. Zombie Highway 2, also a great game. Plays pretty well on the Fire tablets as well. So if you're a zombie killing fan, go out and check out Zombie Highway 2. Okay. Media Candy. So I put this here in Media Candy because it is media rific. So I've been at Riot Fest all day yesterday, but I started Thursday night when I went to go see Don't Break Down, the Jawbreaker film. Okay. Uh, I'm usually not a big, you know, music movie fan, but it's Jawbreaker, one of my favorite bands of all time. So I had to go check it out. Didn't realize it was all 10 years old, 10 year old footage. Like found footage. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Good story. Kind of meh because it's all 10 years old, at least, plus the backstory. Um, and then the band came out for a Q&A after and it was tense. You can kind of tell oh. they still don't like each other. So they're probably not going to be playing too many shows after this Riot Fest show. I think I think they're going to f- figure out that this is a cash cow for them and probably. <laughs> it's yeah. amazing how well you can get along when you're paying your mortgage. Yeah. Okay. We can afford separate tour buses now. Okay. You go oh over God, there. that's that's been a lifesaver for many bands I know. Yep. And uh, so yeah, I saw a ton of bands yesterday. Uh, New Order was one I was thinking of you when I saw them. Mm. Man, they were good. Yeah. I, I just feel like I've seen them enough, and Peter Hook isn't playing with them anymore. The original bass player, founder, also a member of Joy Division. So for me, I mean, I'm glad. Look, you're doing the grand tour. You are seeing every fucking band you should have seen 20 years ago. So good on you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's see. The day started with X and the Buzzcocks. Buzzcocks mm-hmm. I've seen before. I've never seen X. Man, they they exhumed the bodies of X for that show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Death from Above, which was like a two-person kitty band that the kids like nowadays, were pretty damn yeah. good, I gotta say. Then I saw Ministry, New Order, Nine Inch Nails, mm-hmm. all in one day, exhausting. Now, yeah. I just have to I have to mention this because I, I'd never seen Nine Inch Nails, and mm-hmm. it sounded amazing. But Trent is sitting there screaming and yeah, yeah, and then he dashes back from the microphone, goes mm-hmm. goes out of view for me. Then he comes running back up, stops, and mm-hmm. whips up tambourine and then start shaking it and dancing yeah and i'm like is that his power tambourine it was it was so weird every time he hits it jason a feature comes out of itunes (laughs) yeah (laughs) every time trent gets his tambourine a feature dies boom (laughs) oh poor thing oh man yeah so uh enough of the riot fest i'm going back tomorrow but that's why my voice is trash because too many damn pot smokers and smokers in general i'm around all day and i can't speak um, good news, John Oliver's last week tonight yep. renewed for another three seasons at 30 episodes a season. So hardly shocking there. No, he's he's doing he's doing good over there. They need to change it up a bit because it's getting a little too formulaic and uh, some weeks it's pretty damn boring. But I, I, I think see news burnout on social media. I think that's affecting shows like this as well. Yeah, everybody's just tired. Yep. Uh, J.J. Abrams is coming back to co-write and direct the final Star Wars episode. 
because they can't seem to get anybody else in there they trust enough to do it. So yeah, Which I look. Hey, I agree with this a hundred percent. He took it over. He wanted the reins. Finish it up, bitch. Yeah, which which also makes me a little scared on how this new movie is going to be if they're like, uh, let's just get, come on back, JJ. You know, <laughs> was it not good enough for for their their we'll standards? We'll see. Um, now let's talk about the Orville. Did you watch it yet? I no, because I. There's no way this could be good, and I figured you would watch it, and then I wouldn't have to. Yeah. Um, okay. Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah. Uh, it was. It, I I I put it on. I watched the first 35 seconds, and I was like, "This is the fucking stupidest thing I've ever seen." It 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 makes no sense. It's so okay. all over the place. Um. Yeah. It really. I mean, it it's the first episode, so they might find their grounding. But I was like, huh? no. Yeah. You know, I, 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 this has been done before. It's called Galaxy Quest. Put a cord. That was it's actually done. funny. Yeah. That's we a classic. We don't need to do it again. Yeah. We don't need a show. Uh, we don't need a, a regular series of it. Look, I, I dig, I get the fact that Seth, Seth MacFarlane is, has achieved enough, made enough money, proved to networks that he is a, tal- a bona fide, serious genius. So, yeah, you you know what? You do get to do whatever the fuck you want. Just don't make us watch it all. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll watch another, <laughs> like, I'll give it three episodes to see if they find their legs. But, yeah, it was just, hmm. It, it, it's like seven different shows, and it doesn't know what it is. Right. Um, but after that, I went and, uh, I still have never seen an episode of Family Guy. You are so missing out. That's what I've heard. And and, and I think I'm going to have to go back and watch it because I found a live uncensored table read where they got up live and did an episode of the show. Um, yeah, I've seen those. Ah, uh, so good. So good. Yeah, it's Jason, start with the start with the ones where they make the, the kind of mini movies that they did to make fun of Star Wars. They did. They did all first of the first three movies. Okay. Watch those. That'll get you into Family Guy, I think. Okay, yeah, because I mean, I've been just doing all this voice stuff now, and then I, I want to see what what it's like in like one of these table reads, and I just happened across it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna dive into Family Guy as soon as soon as uh, winter comes. Right, and I think what uh, what the Orville is suffering from is bad timing. Uh, Galaxy Quest came at a period of time where there was no new Star Trek, there was no Star Wars going on, there was a dearth of like mass popular level science fiction pre-battlestar galactica it was a great time to just come in and and people sci-fi fans were hungry for anything sci-fi and and you could poke fun at it and it was well outside of the fact that it was just good unlike the orville um it was just a good timing for it right now you we're in the middle of like star trek craziness star wars craziness there is sci-fi everywhere we're being beaten over the head with it which uh, you could make an argument, okay, so skewer it, but apparently the Orville's not doing that very well. Anyways, point being, Star Trek Discovery, next weekend. We finally oh. get it. It's been delayed almost a year. The first episode of the series airs next Sunday, September 24th at 8.30, 7.30 Central, uh, and will be on regular CBS television network. So you'll not have to go to Sweden or you know pay up for the CBS All Access or pirate the CBS All Access. Whatever the hell you're planning on doing to watch Star Trek Discovery, you don't have to. We get the first episode free to see if it sucks or not. Well, that's good. And if you do have yep. access, you can watch the second episode right after it. Exactly. So, so, and then following that, it will only be on CBS All Access. So, I will probably be sucking it up and buying that. And of course, 
you know, the the free package that they gave us almost a year ago when we thought Star Trek Discovery was coming has yeah, now expired, exactly. so I can't use that anymore. And Gizmodo has an interesting article if you are... Because the Star Trek universe, I did not know this. Star Trek Discovery was supposed to be an anthology show that was going to take fans from pre-Kirk Federation into the future that they have not even covered yet. It was going to bounce all over the place and just tell random different stories. Oh. That would have been cool as shit. Yeah. <laughs> but they are not doing that now. Discovery is, still, is pre- Kirk, uh, pre any movies, pre Enterprise by ten years, I believe. Uh, but so what they're saying, and it's not canon, so this isn't the thing. But there's a Star Trek Online that actually explores future storylines past anything that they ever covered in any of the TV shows or movies. If you have a super interest in the Star Trek universe, this is worth a, a quick peek through and and a read through because they talk about some of the characters and what ended up happening to them, according to Star Trek Online, which is not canon. Oh, very cool. I, I, I wish I had more time in the day. Can you FTP me a few weeks so I can get caught up on this stuff? That's how I feel every time I look at our show notes. I know. Uh, I did want to put this in here because uh, I did get a couple people asking me what the hell was the the line from at the end of the last episode, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you are all very stupid people and you do not know anything. <laughs> it's a line. It's from Neverwhere. And right. trying to find it was a pain. But I did find the 15th anniversary edition DVD. There's no Blu-ray. This thing is they battled. Yeah, they. It, <laughs> I bought it on VHS at the first Highlander convention or the last Highlander convention. It was that long ago. So, um, yeah, this is hard to find, but you can buy it on Amazon Video. I did finally find that. Um, so that's. I just wanted to explain what uh, what that was. Okay. Uh, South Park is a show that I used to follow religiously and I've just kind of fallen away from over the years. No particular reason. It's not like it got bad. It's still very funny. Uh, But I just haven't been watching it. They did what uh, we knew somebody was going to do. They completely destroyed anybody that had has an Amazon Alexa in the same room as their TV that tried to watch the show and didn't uh, go with any name other than Alexa. That was so funny. <laughs> yeah, and the video, there's a video of a video of somebody watching it with the Alexa in their room and what happens when Cartman goes to town. Yeah. So very fucking hilarious. Good stuff. And I was listening to uh, what I still consider our Canadian sister show, or Canadian cousin show, Geeks and Beats. Uh, Sex, Lies, and Social Media is their most recent episode. And uh, to be honest, it's their show's 30, 35 minutes. They do spend about 10 minutes pumping their Patreon. Uh, but the newest member of their World's Worst Intern program, Jason Filippo. That would be me. Uh, and what an appropriate show for you to be the intern on. It was all about tech and porn. So that worked out quite well for you. It did. I mean, I, I gave him the money before that, but like two episodes before. But still, I, I finally got in there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I have actually been meaning to re-up on their Patreon. I, I did it before they went on their sabbatical. Uh, they took almost two years off, practically, or a year, something like that. Oh, so I should go God. back in and, and pay them. How nice would that be, <laughs> That'd right? That would be so nice. <laughs> yeah. So... There you go. Uh, and I did find a new podcast that I'm listening to, and I really do enjoy it. Now, Jason, you're going to hate this one, because it is obviously an NPR podcast. And it is so painfully NPR. It could be none more NPR. This is NPR <laughs> on 11. This is NPR squared. <laughs> it's called Rough Translation, and uh, it's a, it posits how are the things we're talking about here in the United States being talked about somewhere else in the world. Uh, it's very good. But like I said, you it is none more NPR. There's the music in the background. There's the here's the sound of here's the audio of somebody walking as I start to talk and set up the story. It is NPR to the extreme. But right. I love the stories and they are really well done. 
All right. Yeah, probably a 10-person crew working for four weeks for 25 minutes of audio. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was listening to the Futility Closet podcast for a while, mm-hmm. and I don't know if they changed microphones or whatnot, but one of the things I've gotten terribly acute with doing all of the editing that I do, you know, so many hours a week, is mouth noise. Yeah. The mouth noise on the Futility Closet has gotten so bad, I had to unsubscribe. I was either that, or I download it and run it through my my audio post-processing programs to get mm-hmm. rid of it so I could listen to it again. Because I like the show, but man, whatever they did over there, that's just sad. Sad, sad, sad. See, this is why if you really enjoy eating, you should never be a chef. Security? And we are back for the security segment with the CyberWire producer, Dave Bittner. Jason is not with us today because he is running around at uh, Riot Fest in Chicago. So (laughs) I I know that because I checked his security cam and saw him leaving. I was going to say, yeah, we could just check in and see that the house is empty, that uh, Bam Bam has uh, fixed herself a drink and is sitting on the couch uh, watching Netflix. Yes, well, that was the first update on Bam Bam's own Instagram, which I'm sure Jason will promote later on in the show. Okay, very good. Yeah, so I thought we should quickly follow up on the Equifax situation. Uh, Obviously, we have a story about how badly they screwed up, but uh, first and foremost, the most important thing which everybody was freaking out about was uh, if apparently you weren't paying a lot of attention as you were signing in to find out if you were one of half of Americans that had their information stolen, uh, you were losing your right to uh, sue and basically agreeing to arbitration. Um, Then there were stories that if you wrote them a letter and mailed that in within 30 days, you could remedy that situation. Jason left us a little note saying the loss of the right to sue has been debunked, by the way, but no link. Yes. Uh, Do you know if that is true? (laughs) (laughs) That is true. There was a there was a statement from Equifax this week clarifying that saying that, no, um, we are not, in fact, taking away your right to sue. Now, who knows if that was uh, how this all started off? You know, if, if, <laughs> maybe because, the massive you know, I mean, public uh, the, outcry might have had something. to do with Yeah, it. exactly. I mean, the lawyers are doing their jobs and trying to cover all the bases. So, you know, uh, when all of us uh, clicked on that EULA, then it probably it, or it may it may have originally said that you lost your right to sue. But um, I think Equifax responding to the situation at the very least said, no, 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 please um, <laughs> proceed. Uh, we, we, you know, it's funny. I mean, that may be the, the, the best thing that they've done in this whole thing. Well, Is yes, that clarification, right? <laughs> that that would seem to be the case as the Wired article that we have in our show notes discusses, which is uh, Equifax officially has no excuse. Most of the article goes through basically their week of incompetence, failures and shady behavior and doing absolutely everything wrong that they could have. So, yeah, this might be the number one and first thing that they've done correctly thus far. Um, the story goes on to confirm that attackers entered the system in mid-May through a web application vulnerability that had a patch available back in March. So, in right. other words, all this happened because they didn't patch their software. Now, interestingly enough, the check to see if you've been hacked site, as we reported, uh, was done on WordPress, which has the mm-hmm. handy auto-update feature, which maybe if they just would have switched <laughs> that on with their bigger package (laughs) maybe this wouldn't have happened but uh yeah it's been interesting i mean the vast majority of people are agreeing with this wired article and saying that there's no excuse for this they had plenty of time to take care of these things especially with something as uh valuable as all the information that they had available but um there's been a handful of people i've seen on twitter you know security professionals who said 
if you're in a large organization like this, this notion of being able to patch right away um, yeah. isn't as easy as you think. You know, it's it's a little more complicated than that. So, yeah, we understand, you know, it's a lot of fun to pile on, but the reality of the situation may have been a little different. It's no excuse for losing all the data, but just in terms of a sort of processes and procedure kind of thing, um, you know, they, they may have... Uh, they may have reasons for the delay in patching, um, but uh, unfortunately, so, it's not an all's well that ends well situation. Yeah, having briefly worked in a very large corporation back in the day, I do understand the culture of incompetence that tends to take place. <laughs> Which I mean, you know, it, it's again just poking fun at it, but it is. There's an, there's an institutional slowness that occurs, and this is a very large company. So right, right, but still. Don't feel bad for them, though. I do not feel bad for them. I, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. And and like we said, you know, last week, I mean, this could be an inflection point where people really take a hard look at, can we rely on social security numbers and the rest of that identifiable information for these important things? Do we need to come up with a better way to handle our identities to make sure or to make it harder for people to steal them and, and, uh, use them for the bad things they want to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i glad to, to some degree, I suppose this is a good thing because we are having that discussion. I would have liked to have that discussion maybe 12 years ago when I first noticed you know, my insurance companies basically identifying me for health insurance using my social security number and putting it on letters. My uh, Well, you know, when I was in college, uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, our student ID number was our social security number. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, so it, we it haven't exactly everything. been protecting these for a long time, but uh, no. it's also the thing is it's also much easier now, right? So right, right, yep, yep, yeah. And uh, speaking of making things less easier, Apple has had their big, <laughs> big announcement, and we know what's yes. coming. And uh, to one degree, uh, there's a lot of concern over Face ID technology. We're not going to use the fingerprint anymore, which we know wasn't all that secure, anyways. Uh, but they have made some significant improvements to the actual system themselves in terms of security that will make it much more difficult for uh, law enforcement to basically take your data. Yeah, if you're someone who's concerned about privacy, this is uh, some good developments from Apple. Particularly, it seems as if you're someone who is concerned about crossing the border. Yes, um, that came to mind as we had very long discussions about this specifically. It is much more difficult now for them to be able to access data. Uh, of right. course, the, the main question that we ask still remains, if they ask you to punch in your code or scan your face or whatever, and you say no, are you still going to go to jail? <laughs> so that well, I mean, question as isn't we answered. Talked about, they, yeah, I mean, the, 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 um, what people seem to think is that they can compel you to use your fingerprint. You, they cannot compel you to reveal a passcode. Yes. Um, but that doesn't mean... You know, they can, I suppose they can hold on to you for long periods of time at the border <laughs> um, to um, compel you to give up your passcode. But um, this is good. I mean, what they've done here is they've made it so that when you attach your device to a computer, you it requires your passcode to allow any data to flow between the phone and the computer. Yes. And it used to not require that. Um, so this is good. I, I remember telling friends if they were concerned about this sort of thing, don't, you know, don't go charge your phone on somebody else's computer because while they're sitting mm. around, while it's plugged in, you have full act that that person has full access. They can do whatever they want. So it's nice that they've separated the power from the data streams in terms of uh, that. 
Yeah, and evidently the the one of the concerns is at the border, or I guess anything involving law enforcement. They could once once they had your phone plugged into a computer, they could basically download all the contents of the computer and then use tools to be able to sift through all the data very quickly. Whereas uh, even if they have access to the phone, just the phone itself, it takes a lot longer to go through things, and also things that have been deleted. Like um, this article points out that there might be deleted um, text messages and things like that that could still be in the phone's database. You can't access them from the phone's interface, but it might be possible to get them if you could do a complete data dump from the phone. I I feel like we need to start a series of um, unanswered questions for this particular segment, one of them being the aforementioned we talked about last week. What does it mean to delete something? Now we're learning on the Apple iOS infrastructure, delete doesn't necessarily mean delete. It just means you can't access it anymore. <laughs> yeah, and reading reading this article, I, uh, I I had a raised eyebrow that they brought iMessage into that group because my understanding is that iMessage is end to end encrypted. And right. So you know, I I hope we um you know we'll hear from people who know more about this than either you or I. But um, I was surprised to see that on the list of things where possibly possible if you delete uh, an iMessage that it could possibly still linger on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, that surprises me because Apple has been really deliberate, it seems, and overt about saying that iMessage is end to end encrypted and that you know they can't read any any of your messages. So I don't know the the inner workings of how the iPhone. Um, you know, handles the the text in between your fingertips and the point at which it gets encrypted and sent off. But right. that was an interesting one. You know, this uh, every time that we talk about this sort of stuff and, and just you discussing that right now just makes me long for the earlier days when there were things like manuals that came with technology <laughs> and you had yeah. a deep understanding of how things actually worked. Um, it's so weird just being behind these these iron curtains for everything now where we don't really understand how the technology that we use on a day-to-day basis works. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, I think you guys are talking, talked about in, in this show about how you really can't have a single developer for anything anymore. You know, there's just, just the complexity of everything has gone has gone up. You know, back in the old 8-bit computing days, you could have someone someone wrote donkey kong (laughs) (laughs) or pac-man you know it was a single single author and those days are over so i agree it's on the one hand we have all this awesome technology and we have all the world's information at our fingertips on the other hand it's it's all sort of abstracted from us to really know what's going on below the surface yeah agreed now one thing that uh we have senator al franken who's always been pretty privacy minded which is nice uh he is asking some pointed questions uh of apple about how specifically their face id technology is going now i know a lot of people yeah. just go well what he's a politi- he's a politician whatever he's asking some pointed questions that i would like to know the answer to about the system including how they're going to be protected and safeguarded how they're going to be stored is that data is is your face map going to be shared or sold to marketers is law enforcement going to be able to access it or is it going to be as encrypted as most other things are with apple it seems to be a weird step because apple has been very uh, they seem to be very forward about being uh, working with privacy concerns and, yeah. and making their phones very secure and this is such a blatantly insecure system as far as we know how it works well um 
I okay, a couple of things. I first of all, I am a fan of Al Franken's, uh, both as a comedian and as a <laughs> senator. I think, I mean, I think he is truly one of the smartest people in the Senate, and I think, um, you know, obviously he's witty, but you know, um, he does the he does the hard work, mm-hmm. um, and uh, really tries to understand things. Um, so I I have respect for him. Um, I but but however that said, uh, I think <laughs> I think. To me, this letter represents someone who does not have a deep understanding of Apple right. and Apple's position when it comes to privacy. I think a lot of these questions here are things we went through with Touch ID, mm-hmm. same sort of thing, you know, just a different biometric system. Um, you know, and, and a lot of the, I was pretty frustrating when this all, when this, um, technology was announced, you know, earlier when, when Apple had their event and a lot of the things people were saying were the same sorts of things we heard with touch ID, you know, Oh no, now there's going to be a government database of everybody's (laughs) fingerprints, right? Well, and so the exact same things, now there's going to be a government database of everybody's faces and if you took five minutes to to do some research and you found out that the whole thing about the uh, you know the way Apple has their secure enclave and how they keep the data away from the rest of the phone and the way it works and you know uh, Apple takes this seriously yeah and they should because this this does up the should. ante from from a thumbprint this is because this is a lot more a, fa- a face print is something that can be identified from a distance uh, it doesn't require physical contact it doesn't require a lot of other things. Um, so there's there's there needs to be heightened security for this, I believe. Do you think it's more do you think it's more important than a thumbprint? The reason I ask is because fingerprints are used for law enforcement much more than um I guess facial ID is. I mean obviously there's all sorts of with facial recognition software now I suspect that's all changing. I, I think I, I, I see what you're saying, and I think perhaps thumbprint is more important as far as a law enforcement or legal worry goes. I'm worried right. about advertising and tracking by third parties, and uh, you know, I, all of a sudden uh, somebody catches me on a, a publicly accessible webcam and is able to match my face to this or that or that. I, not so much the government I worry about here as the you know brave new world of walking into a mall and having my face scanned and being greeted and given targeted mm-hmm. ads to me, which I, we yeah. all know it's coming, but God, who wants that? Well, <laughs> yeah. And you know, we, we've certainly heard stories that they are doing that at major events like the Super Bowl. Yeah. They're using, you know, facial ID to try to prevent, you know, bad people from doing bad things. Um, so I think it's inevitable that, um, this is going to go to commercial types of things. And who knows? I mean, obviously, Facebook knows what you look like. Um, for me, Google yep. Photos knows what I look like. Um, yep. So, but uh, b- back to Al Franken's list, though. I mean, I think um, I, the list is a smart list. Um, I think you know, some of these, probably half the questions on it are, like I said, questions that if someone had taken a little bit of time or had a sort of uh, long understanding of the way apple does things they would know the answer to many of these questions um but you know what hey, it may is, even be an opportunity for this this isn't this is sort of a softball thing to send to apple because i i would suspect apple will gladly answer these questions and, and well and i think they should because it would be nice to have that implicit information from apple out in the world 
saying, no, of course we're not going to do this or that with it, because right now it's just kind of an understood agreement between Apple and, and us that they won't. Uh, but right. I, what I did find funny is uh, there was a lot of brouhaha because Apple is rolling it out, and understandable, the iPhone, that's a huge market share. But yep. we've been happily mapping our faces with Snapchat for quite some time. <laughs> so, and how come mm -hmm. people didn't blow up at that point? Now, I know there was some information about it and people asking very pointed questions and snap has come out and said on their website that their technology does not recognize the face it maps so i guess it's not tying it to your account or a database or hmm. anything like that we've also kind of learned before that some of these companies lie and snapchat and snap and in and of itself doesn't have a great track record of telling people the truth about their internal systems but right you know uh, so we have a link in our show notes from The Atlantic, uh, which is a nice long-form article that's well-researched about who actually owns your face. And they go through various companies, such as you just mentioned, Facebook, which uses facial recognition software as well, and, and the existing legality that uh, we seem to be dealing with at the moment with it. So it's it's a good read. This is all obviously going to be in flux. And again, it's it's much like Equifax having their issues. Apple coming to the forefront with this technology pushes it into the mainstream in a way that that it wasn't before, which is a good thing because now we can start dealing with it. Well, and, you know, it reminds me of another thing. Um, earlier this week, I interviewed um, a gentleman named Luke Beeson, who's the uh, chief information security officer for BT, mm -hmm. um, you know, British uh, company formerly known as British Telecom. Um, so, you know, high level guy at a huge company, um, uh, you know, over 100,000 people, but they're in Europe and they have a very different take on privacy than we do yeah. in the United States. Or just and they go have a little bit north, Canada as well. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, Europe has GDPR coming, which is their big privacy regulation, which was coming next May. Um, and part of the conversation I had with him was I was asking him, how is that going to affect global companies? And he thinks that these companies who, because GDPR... Um, covers global companies handling the data of Europeans, even if that data isn't in Europe. Right. So if you want to do business in Europe, you have to follow these rules. And so what he thinks is that many of these companies will sort of hit the lowest common denominator. They'll go for, they'll really have no choice than to adopt the European standard for privacy globally because it'll be cheaper and easier for them. But that's going to be an interesting thing to see because when you have companies like Facebook who are built on the opposite of that, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. how, yes. how are they going to react? <laughs> how are they going to react to that? So yeah. um, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to, to, uh, to see how that plays out. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I've had a couple conversations with some, some friends and, and acquaintances that are kind of working in startups doing deep data companies and, and, mm -hmm. you know, big data companies and things like that. And, and most of them are, are basically almost considering that it's a race right now because they know that America is, is the holy ground. It, it, you want all your, you want to get everything you can from America right now, because we have so little regulation about data and, and Europe does and Canada does. And, uh, you know, most other developed countries have strong privacy regulations. So, all these startups oh, are basically mining everything that they can in the USA as much as they can and as quick as they can because they know at some point we're going to wake up here and, and put in some more privacy regulations and then, you know. Oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> Get while well, the getting's good. That is definitely the attitude right now. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's a really interesting insight. I like it. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of getting inside things. <laughs> I'm assuming this was put in by Jason. Do you think? It seems to be in his target area of, 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 of interest, uh, security and sex bots. Uh, I did like this story. It does come from the New York Post, so take that with a grain of salt, as per usual. Yeah. Uh, it says a cybersecurity scientist has issued a bizarre warning. That sex robots could one day rise up and kill their owners if hackers can get inside their heads. Uh, this is <sighs> cybersecurity lecturer Dr. Nick Patterson. I assume you would be familiar with him. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I, I was, we are, I was reading. I, did, I meant to look him up, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, who knows? He may be a very highly respected person. I'm not familiar with him. Um, being it's the New York Post, <laughs> he may not exist at all. Yes. Well, the, right? there are numerous, <laughs> numerous then paragraphs talking about how it's not going to be like a Westward style, Westwood style, or Terminator style uh, thing. But Patterson told the Star Online that hacking into many modern day robots, including sex bots, would be a piece of cake compared to a more sophisticated gadget like a cell phone or a computer now dot 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 we are laughing at this article but he is not wrong no he's not he's not (laughs) i mean people have shown the vulnerability of industrial robots i'm just thinking we're talking we all we do is crap on the internet of things for security mm -hmm. in this segment and if we can't secure a fucking light bulb i don't want to secure a fucking dot 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 yeah (laughs) Yes, but the stakes are different for your light bulb than for your sex bot. You know, you you there are many many reasons why you would want to and I feel like this is a euphemism, air gap your sex bot. Uh, <laughs> you certainly don't want one of those dolphin things happening, let me tell you. <laughs> right, exactly. Um you know, we we we've seen stories with uh IoT other sex toys and things like that, so I don't see why sex bots would be any different from that. Um, you know, it's funny. I don't know who would have control over which, what would be the regulatory framework for sex bots? Would that be the Federal Trade Commission or, hmm, I don't <laughs> that know is, who would. That is I, an interesting question. <laughs> right. Who has, it's not, it's, just, I, it's not really a medical device, although, uh, hmm. anyway, um, Yes, I, th- I think this is a fun but silly kind of stupid story. Um, About what you'd it, expect it from pun- the New York Post. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you're right. It does point out the greater vulnerability that robots can be hacked and be made to do bad things. You know, imagine you're working on an assembly line where most of the, the cars that are being assembled are being assembled by robots and someone gets in and, you know, hacks an industrial robot. And instead of pushing the car down the assembly line, the robot pushes the car into you. Right. You know, so there are vulnerabilities and so forth, but uh, I don't know. It's, um, it's, it's fun to think about. It's possible. It make for a great, uh, I don't know, a B movie or a, again, police procedural. Yes. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Um, I think but, Jason's uh, just taken that police procedural thing to heart, and that's why he put the story in here. I think he's just collecting yeah. his his uh, his storylines. Could be, could be. We'll see. I mean, we'll we'll see. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And um, you know, if hey, if the sex bots make people happy and and they're not hurting anybody else, and you know, they can afford to do it, then more power to them. Bot away. Yeah. 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 I don't have a problem with that. 
Now, Gizmodo has an article over. Uh, uh, this is a, I think I'm focusing way too much on headlines recently because headline writing is starting <laughs> to drive me crazy. It says okay. hackers have already started to weaponize artificial intelligence. Uh, it goes into a discussion about the security forum Zero Fox, which conducted an experiment where they basically made bots on Twitter to create malicious links to to fish information, and uh, yep. it was far better than a human competitor was. So that's right. You know. So apparently this is definitely possible, but then the article goes on to say, thankfully, this was just an experiment, but the exercise shows that uh, hackers are in a position to use AI, but we don't know if they actually are or not because it's very hard to prove. Now, yeah. the title of your article is hackers have already started to weaponize artificial intelligence, so I'm expecting yes. a story that shows that it's actually <laughs> happening. This yes, is a very the, long that article that does not have any stories of it actually happening. <laughs> yes, and we and yet we clicked on it. Yes, we did. Now, I will admit, Brian, that I put this in here partially to uh, get your engine running a little bit because I know how you feel about artificial intelligence. <laughs> and um, I actually know one of the Zero Fox researchers. Yeah. Um, uh, I know him. Uh, good guy. Smart guy. Um, but what the other thing that was interesting to me was this year at the RSA conference, one of the things I asked people about when I was interviewing people out on the show floor was, are the bad guys using artificial intelligence and machine mm -hmm. learning? Because those were the buzzwords yes. this year at RSA. Of course. So, um, and the answer I got from everybody was no. As far as we know, they are not. And the reason is, is that it's expensive and right. they're doing just fine without it. Right. Well, Gizmodo found the exact opposite people because they they interviewed a bunch of people who said it was. <laughs> I know. Well, and this is a little frustrating for me because I'm not going to name names here, but some <laughs> of the companies these people are from are the same companies who at RSA told me no. Right, right. Now, that was, what, six months ago, so these yeah. things change quickly, and it, it may very well be that... The bad guys have decided or have, you know, moved into this neighborhood or are dipping their toes in the water and, and doing it. I think it's inevitable as the cost of it comes down and as the um, other things don't work as well. Yeah. And as this, the the uh, the demonstration from Zero Fox, what if the machines just do it better, more efficiently? Yeah. They're able, they figure out how to press our buttons because they can iterate so quickly. Yes. And it's... test and figure out, you know, does this turn of phrase get people to click more than this? If I flip these two words around, exactly. and I'm getting a 10%, you know, greater click through on my phishing. They can do so much so quickly. So, yes, much faster sense. than we can. Now, as to your but point, I'm dubious. Of... Yeah, I'm dubious as well. And as to your point of throwing in the AI just to kind of tweak us a bit, I, I don't know. You you must have missed that segment in uh, last week's show. Jason and I had our, our throwing up our hands in the air moment, our, our mea culpa. We give up. We have accepted the fact that everybody is just going to use the term artificial intelligence, even if they just mean it's a data tree, even if they just mean it's machine learning, even if they just yep. mean it's a damn Katie bot. We have given up. It is. We are going with artificial <laughs> intelligence. We are... Oh well, we 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 give we give universe. <laughs> no, I did hear that segment, and that's a big part of why I put this article in this week's show. <laughs> oh, hey, uh, we love you, Brian. It's, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, it's, I still I still get a little twinge in my face, but I, I've I've stopped complaining. Ish. I don't blame you. Words are important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they are, and I think you're right that the definition of artificial intelligence has gotten much more mushy and fuzzy over the years. Yes. And I think that's largely because of, of marketers. Oh, of course. They wanna, Obviously. They want to sell you something. So 
Yeah, it's it's like we live in a in a 1990s wired buzzwords article all the time. It's we must yeah. use the buzzwords. We must use the buzzwords. We must use the buzzwords. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And our last piece comes from The Intercept. Uh, sloppy U.S. spies misused a covert network for personal shopping and other stories from internal NSA documents. Uh, I read through almost all of this and I felt like my takeaway from this is, is spies are people too. You know, I had the exact same reaction. <laughs> that was my exactly my reaction as well. This is sort of this article is a review of some more stuff from the Snowden leak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess if you're a journalist who's into this sort of thing, that's the gift that keeps on giving. Just the huge dump that that Snowden you yeah. know, provided. But uh, so this is a review of some of that stuff, um, and I, I guess mostly old. Info- or information about stuff from a while ago, like a, a decade ago, it seems a lot yeah, of it is. Yeah, I mean, so. a lot of it was taken from internet cafes, and I mean, granted, there are countries in the world in which you will still find a lot of internet cafes, but not yeah. not with the prevalence that one did 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing if, if, you're, if you're into the sort of internal machinations of NSA and so forth, this will give you some behind-the-scenes, under-the-hood kind of stuff. Um, my, my second reaction was, well, who would really, who, who of us would want their email read by other people? Because yeah. this is sort of one of those hey, we're reading everybody's email and look how they do things. And like you said, you know, they're sloppy sometimes too. And, you know, they forget to switch out of this account when they go shopping and they get tracked and, yep. you know, and covert they might, operations are hard. Yeah, they might <laughs> exchange an email or two about Sally that works in accounting. It happens because they're people. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. But it, it's, a, it's a long article full of... Um, Full of lots of little tidbits about how this spycraft works. So uh, if uh, that's something you're interested in, dig in. Um, some of it's kind of interesting. Some of it's kind of like, uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's all right. But um, but it, it is interesting that uh, how long everybody's been digging through all the Snowden stuff. I mean, there's just so much of it. It just keeps on coming. It does. It's. I expect us to have stories on it in ten years from now. Still doing this. Yeah. Yeah, what's your take on Snowden? Do you do you think he's a traitor or a hero? Would you have would do you have a strong opinion either way? Uh, what's the, what's the relationship status that people go with when they're in a relationship it's, but don't want to admit it? It's complicated. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That is right. pretty much a hundred percent. I I, yeah. I I started hero. I I swung to traitor for a while. I somewhere mm-hmm. exist in the murky middle where. I somebody needed to do some whistleblowing about what was happening, but I don't necessarily know if I sign off on the way he did it, if that makes any right. sense. So, yep. yeah, that makes total sense. And, the you know, the folks that I cross paths with who are in that world, who have, um, you know, people who have security clearances and, and so forth, you know, that's that's the big point they make that he had other they claim that he had other ways of of dealing with this um, that wouldn't have been so dangerous and perhaps even put good people in harm's way right. the way that he did. So, you know, those folks tend to, I think, um, you know, think that he is a traitor and that, um, you know, he's done serious damage. Um, and I can't disagree with that. Um, on the other hand, there are some things that were revealed that probably wouldn't have otherwise been revealed that led to better outcomes and probably wouldn't have had he not revealed them. So, yeah. So, like you said, it's 
It's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This seems All a right. good place to wrap. Uh, we'll be back next week, and Jason will be back to join us and tell us how we were wrong about absolutely everything we said. All right. Well, I'll look forward to that. Me too. Brick a brick. I love finding fun Twitter accounts. Kind of like, yep. you know, the single purpose website. Yep. This one is Progress Bar 2017. Every every couple days it'll like post a graphic of a progress bar telling you how far we've gone in 2017 and how far we have to go. That's it. Uh, yeah, I, okay, I should probably not follow that. <laughs> Why are you going to be sad that we have so much left? <laughs> kind of. It's going pretty That's quick. Where I'm at right Come now. on. Now we seem to have a bit of a recurring theme on this on this particular episode of the podcast about going back to the past, not the future. Uh, do you remember Mondo 2000? Of course I do. I had all I had all of them. Me too. And are you serious? They have newly relaunched. <laughs> what? I'm not sure. Yeah, Mondo 2000 is back. There's a newly relaunched website. And are you serious? Interviews Wired founder Louis Rosetto in the uh, about the origins of Wire and his new novel Changes Good. And uh, is part of the first thing where, well, I mean, I guess it's been around for a while, but this is one of their big publicity pushes now. So it's back, baby. I wonder where they got a copy of Kai's power tools to use their fractal generator to make half of the pages in the magazine. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. I found a great little video. It's a 30-day time lapse at sea from a uh, one of the big cargo containers. Yeah, this has been uh, getting passed around by a lot of my more visual-minded friends on Facebook. It's very beautiful. It's gorgeous. It is just so cool and peaceful. I just put it in one, one of my monitors and just let it go while I'm off, like, do an email in the other monitor. I can just watch it. When I when I have a, a very prickly client, I can just look over and go, ah, I'd rather be at sea. Yeah. Uh, now, I found a link. I, I think this is our real Grumpy Old Geeks manifesto. Uh, no kidding around. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Mediocre People. <laughs> this is over at Lifehacker. Uh, did you read this, Jason? I glanced at it. Let's, let's, let's take the, another the peek at it. The first three paragraphs describe us to a T, basically. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's it. That's that's it. That's us. <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening to the show, check out the show notes. Go take a link and read it. It's pretty goddamn funny. Oh, uh, we got to talk about who. Oh my God! It's written by James Altucher. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say I need to get in touch with the author to see if we could repurpose it and maybe do a little uh little spiel on it. I have James's email address. I can do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's a cute little video and article over at Dig from Steve Rousseau. Uh, mm -hmm. It's entitled, What Would Happen If You Just Let Kids Swear? I'm just going to tell you the, D the TLDR on this one. Healthier fucking kids. Yeah, except they also get kicked out of their schools. Well, that's why you have to teach them to swear properly. Yes. Oh, swear only around us. Mm-hmm. Moron of the Week. Denny's. Mm-hmm. They're my moron of the week. Even though, I mean, I love a moon's over my hammy like anybody. It, or French fries with ranch at two in the morning after going to see your favorite goth band. That's that was we did that a lot. And who doesn't like only eating around other white people? Uh, no, it depends on the Denny's. Uh, <laughs> they, they, trust me, depends. Depends on the location. Uh, Denny's new sausage mascot. What's well, actually not that new, but uh, it looks like poop. And the restaurant right. is not going to change it. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's funny because, uh, again, you know, maybe this is this is the uh, we're going back to batter Meinhof. I hadn't thought about South Park for quite a while, but, you know, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo does need something to do in the off season. That's true. You know, everybody's yep. got to work. Yep, that's right. Yep. They're not going to change it. So there you go. There's something to look mm -hmm. forward to next time you head over to Denny's. Yes.
And I have a, this is a, what the flying fuck boing boing moment. I'm, I'm okay. going to directly say this to boing boing. This is a, this is an actual title from a boing boing yes. article who knows better than this. Yep. Uh-huh. Student begs professor to let her bring dog to class before hurricane. What happens next is in fact awesome. Yeah, what the hell is Boing Boing doing with the clickbait headlines? And I saw this uh, story on five other sites. Uh, I've seen it with five different headlines, all roughly about the same. I've read this story four times to try to figure out exactly what happened next that is awesome, and I've yet to figure out why anybody's posting this story at all. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, we know Boing Boing doesn't actually do real reporting. They just take other people's stuff and post it and put ads on it. But, That's true. you know, I still have a soft spot in my heart for the friends over there that I have. But this is this is just intolerable. Come on. You know, you know better. This is wrong. It is, in fact, not awesome. Feedback loop. I want to start out this week with a little sticker follow up. I've got a little bit of a stack left. Uh, so if you are a Patreon subscriber and have not asked for your sticker yet, please. <laughs> Please let us know. And if you have not received your stickers yet, also let us know because we sent out a batch and some people haven't got them yet. And I've actually gotten some returned through uh, from bad addresses. So make sure you double check your, your address when you send it to us. But yeah, we've still got some stickers here. Uh, they're raring to go. So come on, people, let us know. We'll send them out. Yes, we will. And speaking of Patreon, if uh, we have a brand new Patreon subscriber, thank you very much, friend of the show, Hannah, for sending us some of your uh, hard-earned North Carolina cash. Hey, Hannah, thank you. And over at PayPal, Saladino Martinez sent us some straight-up money. Thank you so much for that. We appreciate the support. And over at Twitter, first we got John Holbrook. He uh, has his sticker. He got his. It's the first and only sticker on his laptop in two years, and he sent us a photo of it. Thank you so much, John. Nice. Thank you very much. Next up is Chad Fackler one from Twitter. Pacemaker hijacking. Wow, that got dark pretty quick. Funny, but dark. I tried. Yes, it did. Yes. <laughs> uh, Ivor Tola writes us, awesome episode 226, guys. The tinfoil hat segment made me spit my drink out my nose. I was laughing so much. Well, well we try. <laughs> we do try. And over at GOG.show, we've got one from Brian Middleton. On a recent show, one of you were talking about security cameras, and I thought I heard you mention Axis cameras. A buddy gave me one for free, and I have no use for it. It's yours for the cost of shipping if you want it. And uh, thank you, Brian. I sent you an email with my address, and uh, let me know how much I owe you, because I can't wait to play with it. I've always wanted an Axis, but I never never got one. So, sweet. I think I had this exact same model, and it just got thrown out before a move once, because I didn't know what the hell to do with it. Ah, now I know what to do with it because I have the the Synology, which does IP yes. camera stuff. So I can't wait to play with it. There you go. Uh, next comes from Sam. He sent us a link to a kind of a, a cranesdetroit.com article. Uh, and he says, here is something for the tinfoil hat people. Not really sure what this is about. It's been in the local headlines for quite a few months. But what kind of company would come to an area seemingly in the middle of nowhere and need 800 plus acres to build a facility. Just thought all of you at GOG might like a quick read. Thanks, Sam. P.S. I love the show. Uh, I did read the article. I don't understand what the hell's happening there, but uh, apparently some consortium of companies have bought up a huge amount of area in the middle of nowhere to a build a facility. A huge tract of land. But uh, you got to think about it. It's uh, If you're going to need a huge tract of land, you don't buy it in a city anymore because that's too damn expensive. So you know, this could be like a big old server farm. Who the hell knows? I don't know what it is. My question is, is, is there any chance it's actually Project Tom? He's been pretty quiet since he sold MySpace. Hmm. Hmm. Who knows? Next one comes from iTunes. This is from ColinDC.dev. From Japan to America. 
I can only hope to be as godlike as these two as I grow older in midst of AI taking over our world. Not to fear, I fully understand the difference between machine learning and AI. Ha <laughs> ha! I listen to the CyberWire as well and love the Security Ha segment. You guys let the bitwise bitner let loose. Love the podcast. Anyone in tech with an understanding of how shitty the industry is needs to listen to these two. Recommended recipe. Listen to Twit for a pick-me-up. Listen to the Verge cast for some laughs. Get your seriousness on with the CyberWire. Then GOG for a reality check. Best podcast by far. Woohoo! Thank you very much. Yes, thank you so much. If you want your question or comment read on the show, head over to GOG.show slash support and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash iTunes and toss us a five-star and snarky review. And get us your address for those stickers, people. Let's go. Let's go. Yep. Jason wants this done. Closing shout outs. Rest in peace to Grant Hart, Husker Du's drummer and inspiration for a rock generation. Uh, way too soon at 56. Sad news. Way too soon. Now, he was a, a topic of conversation at Riot Fest from just about everybody. Very sad. I'm sure. And Harry Dean Stanton. We lost him, too. Very sad. He lived to be 473 years old. And, uh, yes, I believe he had a long, full life. <laughs> yes, if you look at his IMDb credits, he's an actor in over 200 projects. Yes. Insane. And uh, I highly recommend going and checking out our Does It Have Legs Repo Man episode, which was number three. Mm. And uh, yes, Harry, you will be missed. Also, that we'll, what will be missed is Cassini. Yes. It's finally gone. The end of a 20-year journey. Took its dive on Friday into the, the atmosphere of Saturn. Bye-bye. Yes. Bye-bye. See you later. That's pretty awesome. Science. Pretty awesome stuff. And I can and I can tell you, I mean, after 20 years of working on this, I'm sure the guys at NASA have anthropomorphized the hell and back out of this thing, so it was like losing a friend. I'm sure. Now, if you got all jealous listening to Jason talk about Riot Fest in Chicago and you happen to live in my part of the world, the Music Tastes Good Festival as presented by KCRW, is at the end of this month. Two days of music, food, and art. This would have been so right up my alley pre-kid. I would have been there in two seconds. Unfortunately, I will not be attending this year. Uh, but it's a great idea. A bunch of really cool chefs making really cool food and a bunch of really cool bands playing. So you can check out Ween, Sleater Kinney uh, of Montreal, and one of my all-time favorite bands that have reunited and blow the socks off everything. Ride is playing this. Oh, Go nice. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. I've seen Ween too many times to ever care again, but uh, Slater <laughs> Kinney, I've never seen. I would love to. And I haven't seen mm -hmm. Ride either. Very cool. Yep. And because I can, and everybody's given me crap about putting all of my Bam Bam photos on my Instagram feed, Bam Bam now has her own Instagram feed. So if you'd like to go to Instagram.com slash Bam Bam Roddy, you can just follow on Bam Bam, which nobody is ever going to do. But I had to throw it out there because she's my little girl. And there will be no updates on your own personal Instagram anymore. As soon as I get hers up to date, <laughs> there won't be. I'll post them all on hers, and then everybody can just look at the boring shit that I post. That's what I figured. Until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. And I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. GOG.show is our home base where you can listen to old shows, leave feedback, ask us questions, get links to our awesome sponsors, and stuff we like. If you'd like to become an official friend of the podcast... Go to GOG.show slash support, where you'll find all the ways you can support the show and keep us on the air and get some stickers. To learn more about all the people who make the show possible, head over to GOG.show slash about. Show notes for all the links discussed in this episode can be found at GOG.show slash 227. She's beautiful. She's rich. She's got huge tracks of land. <laughs>